Day 80. A lot has happened in 80 days, but Phileas Fogg famously circumnavigated the world in less time than I've been wearing my external fixator. I have not been around the world in 80 days. In fact, I've not left Ontario. I've not driven a car, walked, or been able to complete simple tasks like putting on my own shorts, carrying a drink to my desk, or having a shower. Although I have not gone far, I definitely feel that I have been on a journey. The debate that propels Phileas Fogg on his epic voyage takes place in the Reform Club. Some of those considering the possibility of the challenge wish they could make the journey themselves rather than wagering on it. Jules Verne describes the scene. The noble lord confined to his armchair would have given his whole fortune to be able to travel around the world, in ten years even, and he bet £4,000 on Phileas Fogg. The challenge of my current journey revolves around the constant choice between the armchair and the adventure. There are always excuses that can be made about why we should follow the line of least resistance. Worry can easily lead to analysis paralysis, and limit our horizons and ourselves. The Danish philosopher and theologian Søren Kierkegaard, commenting on this dynamic, wrote, To venture causes anxiety, but not to venture is to lose oneself. And to venture in the highest is precisely to be conscious of oneself. Faith grows at the intersection of fear and risk. That last line was me, not Kierkegaard. The story of Abraham begins in Genesis 12 with a call from God. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Asked to leave all that gave him security, identity, and comfort, he obeyed without knowing the destination. He believed God's word, that as he stepped forward in faith, more would be revealed. Journeys of significance often start with little steps. Abraham saying yes to the Lord brings a new name, a great promise, a new identity, and an incredible legacy. Faith is less a leap in the dark than a step in the light. Venture leads to adventure. Fogg and his companions travel by train. When the railway tracks come to an end, they hire an elephant to continue. They cross oceans by ship and use most forms of travel available in the 19th century, although not in fact a balloon, which was only added in the movie adaptation. For all the different transportation, the journey starts and ends on foot. Phileas Fogg, having shut the door of his house at half past eleven and having put his right foot before his left 575 times and his left foot before his right 576 times, reached the Reform Club. This comical description accurately describes that all journeys are made by putting one foot in front of the other. It is something I continue to aspire to. 
a song we used to sing at SU Camp in Scotland, comes to mind. One more step along the world I go. One more step along the world I go. From the old things to the new. Keep me travelling along with you. And it's from the old I travel to the new. Keep me travelling along with you. As I travel through the bad and good. Keep me travelling the way I should. Where I see no way to go. You'll be telling me the way I know. And it's from the old I travel to the new. Keep me travelling along with ye. Give me courage when the world is rough. Keep me loving though the world is tough. Leap and sing in all I do. Keep me travelling along with ye. It's a song about travelling the world, but not a journey that is completed in 80 days. I've not been in a balloon yet either, but I continue to experiment with different kinds of transportation. Today, I'm thankful that God gives us strength for the journey he calls us to. I'm grateful for companions on the way who continue to encourage me from armchair to adventure. My friend Arlen and I exchange some thoughts on this. This is Arlen. Two thoughts. One, Phileas Fogg did not, could not make the journey alone. Neither could Abraham, neither can you or I. Two, you quote Verne, who himself did not go around the world in 80 days, talking about the gentleman who would have loved to have gone if he could, and talk about making choices between the armchair and the adventure. How many adventurers come from those restricted to the armchair, or jail, or infirmity? Paul's epistles, Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, King's Letter from a Birmingham Jail, and the many hymns of the blind Fanny Crosby come readily to mind. Even the inspired musings of Hopalong Nigel fit the profile. So continue to plan for when you leave the armchair for the adventure, but don't get discouraged in your confinement. God is still working through the small spaces you can manoeuvre in. I agreed with Arlon on both counts. The armchair I had in mind was more metaphorical than physical. Absolutely agree that confinement and limitations can be platforms rather than cages. I also think you could argue that deserts and prisons and enforced limitations provide a lot of the context for the biblical narrative and are a key part of the adventure of faith. Arlen again. Absolutely, Nigel. What hope we get from these, from God showing up in the book of Daniel to the phenomenal insights and lamentations, especially chapter 3, to the Psalms you have been reading. It shows me how big God is and how little I really understand. There is a connection between understanding and imagination which reflects our current reality and shapes our future. One of the oft-quoted lines from Around the World in 80 Days is, anything one man can imagine, other men can make real. Science fiction as a genre is an art that underlines the truth of this. In 1864, Jules Verne wrote a dystopian vision of a technologically advanced society that values commerce but places no value on art and literature. Paris in the 20th century was rejected for publication 
as it was deemed too unbelievable and unrealistic. Set in 1960, it features a young man living in a city with gas-powered cars, skyscrapers made of glass, computers that can send messages around the world, calculators, underground trains, high-speed railways and wind power. It also covers the growth of education, the rise of feminism and the advent of the suburbs. Many of the things he imagined were made real. Paul, writing to the Ephesians, prays that they will experience something he is imagining for them. He writes from prison, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I don't know what is occupying your imagination today, what plans you have or future you long for, but there is nothing better than realising the depth of God's love and the dimensions of this that lie beyond the frontiers of knowledge. Paul carries on to say that not only is the love and power of the Lord beyond understanding, it is also beyond anything we can ask or imagine. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations for ever and ever. Amen. So after 80 days, I'm thankful for love that goes around the world and through all generations. I am grateful for imagination and the doorways it opens to inspiration, expression and progress. I'm all the more thankful that God's nature and purposes transcend both my understanding and my imagination. Which is just as well, really. <laughs>